Okay, welcome to DevCast. So we're here today. I'm John Janik, and joining me is Adam D'Angelo. And we have a special guest, uh, Glenn Platt, who is the chair uh, of the Armstrong Institute for Media Studies. Is that right? No, I'm sorry. The Armstrong Interactive Media Studies Program at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. Uh, okay. It's a globally ranked award-winning program. So, Glenn, maybe you could start our conversation. So today we're going to be talking about remote work and gaming, gamification and playing, right? So maybe you can start us off with a little bit of background on who you are and what you do. Thanks, John. I uh, appreciate you guys having me here. And um, <clears throat> in a nutshell, I'm, uh, as you said, a professor at Miami University, and the department that I manage uh, is interested in the places where technology, business, and design interact and intersect with each other. And games are a perfect example of that. Um, you know, when we, as you mentioned, we have a, a sort of top-ranked game design and game development program, but our, our particular niche, our expertise, is in understanding how games are everywhere, really, to put it simply, right? And, and think of all the places in your life that you see points and levels and rewards and incentives and acknowledgements. I mean, we're, we're, we're starting to see game mechanics play out and everything from the dashboard of your car to your HR evaluations. And so while we are a game program in that classic sense of it that we study and teach our students how to build video games, how to actually design games and, and how, to, how to make them work, um, I'm, I am certainly particularly interested in how these game mechanics play out in day-to-day life. And remote work is a perfect example of that, right, that um, – not just very literally and physically, we are in front of a computer the same way one would when they're playing a video game and they're using the same sorts of inputs they might use when they're playing a video game. But remote work affords certain types of interactivity that are less disruptive in terms of gamification. So it's one thing to, to kind of go out on a, a sales pitch, uh, you know, and then land a client and come back into the office and, and tick a one up on the board where you've got a leaderboard. It's another thing to get kind of real time, immediate, instantaneous feedback about your behaviors and activities. And so I think gamification and game mechanics feel very natural as, uh, integrated into these kind of remote work settings. And I, th- I think that's, that's our launching point here. I think that's where, where things start to get really interesting. That's super interesting. You know, Adam, we, you know, so we've had a number of conversations over the past couple of weeks, right, where we've talked about remote teams and, and, and how COVID has just changed everything, right? In our last conversation, we were talking a lot about how we brought Terry Sherbondi onto the program, right? We talked a little bit about how his team has, has really kind of, uh, integrated well with this idea of, of remote working primarily because they were already doing it on a Monday, Friday basis, right? So I'm kind of curious when, when you hear Glenn talk about games are everywhere already, right? What what do you see? Do you kind of think about those things in that context? Uh, typically not, but that's not my area of study, <laughs> right? So, right. you know, mileage will vary. Um, I do think there are some interesting things that um, – we prob- I know I'm doing with some of my coworkers and colleagues remotely that I probably wouldn't do if I were sitting next to them. Um, the different types of messages I'll communicate, I'm more likely to share something, uh, a direct link, um, 
versus walking by and talking to somebody about a specific topic. So I think there are some, those, those are some of the big changes I've seen. And I, I don't know how it really plays into gamification, but in terms of how I'm sharing and the types of things I'm sharing, it's definitely changing. Um, I, I don't know. I haven't made a game out of it yet though. That's super. <laughs> you know, Glenn, so, so I'll give you a, a, an example that we just had in the company. So we did our sure. first, uh, Zoom bingo today, right? And it was, it was a lot more fun than I think anybody expected it to be. Certainly I, you know, it was both interesting because people were super serious about it. You could see everybody's faces. So it was kind of like watching world championship of poker for your company. Everybody's got this super game face look on, like staring at their bingo cards. And you could see it all because of the way Zoom presented all the people in the organization. Very different than what you would see if you were playing in a conference room or something like that. I'm, I'm kind of curious. You know, that's an example of straight up gaming, right? You're you're playing a game. You're getting everybody together in a social interaction. So so it sounded like you definitely there's a definitely a different approach, a different context for gaming for social interaction versus gaming for performance interactions. Right. And I'm wondering if you can help us understand or or talk a little bit about that, especially in a remote work scenario. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think there, there are two categories of conversation around games and remote work. I think the first is the one that you've just hit on, which is games simply is fun. Right. And you know, that can be, Sort of, let, let's think of it as taking two different forms. One might just be simply a distraction. Uh, I know, John, you and I were just recently talking about a video chat application that we were both experimenting with that has a little anagram game that you play while you're waiting for everyone else to, to come into the, the meeting, right? And, and that's, that's sort of, it's just a distraction, right? And, you know, one of the things I'm sure we've all realized as we've been working from home, uh, more than most have historically, uh, is the, the always on nature of it can be mentally taxing, right? There, that taking breaks, you just, you don't realize how many breaks you might take in an office, but with remote work, it does somehow, I think there's, there are taboos and guilt around it and all kinds of other reasons why people don't often take maybe as many breaks as they need to just clear their head. And so I think, I think games as a distraction, uh, is a totally valid experience in a remote work setting to just give you a moment to to sort of cleanse the palate. I think the other type of fun game in a remote work setting are team building games, kind of like what you've talked about here. Um, there, <clears throat> there are sort of uh, more kind of simple team building games like bingo, like what you're talking about, where you're just kind of competing against everyone else and having some fun with it. And then there are team building games that are very much designed to build teams, right? That, you know, people play different roles and they learn about sacrifice and teamwork and communication. And there's, there's a bunch of games that are built in that space. I think the second category that you hinted at at the end of your question is productivity games. That recognizing, again, games are, are anything that you voluntarily play that has points, levels, rewards, um, and sort of incentivizes you to take actions that you might not otherwise take. And, you know, those four activities are fairly common across most business verticals. They're, you know, whether that's sales or accounting or customer service, right? These are, these are ways that, you know, we get either feedback on how well we're doing our job. So you get little gold stars or employee of the month or other types of recognition or, there's sort of the gamification piece of it where you're actually trying to use game mechanics to 
incentivize behaviors. You know, there's um there's an app called uh, Habitica. I never know if I pronounce it right. It's like Habitica, uh, but Habitica uh, lets you um, kind of gamify any aspect of your life. And so you get an avatar, you can set goals, you get you know powerpoints and strength, and you know you don't need to totally hardwire it. I say that as an example of something that's probably more on the extreme end of what you might think of as gamification, but but this is. This is the language particularly of the uh, sort of millennial and younger generations that they speak, right? So, you know, the difference between walking into someone's office and saying, you know, let's talk about what you need to do to move up to a level five, right? And walking into someone's office and saying, hey, you know, you really need to be able to level up in what you're doing, right? You're, you know, the, the, the language of games is the language of commerce more and more particularly as you're getting generations that are coming through with that. And so if we can use a lot of the language and techniques of games that people find familiar in the workplace, it's a much more natural way to help drive certain behaviors than kind of top-down edicts and that type of thing. Wow, that's that's definitely, like, that's pretty deep. I mean, like, I thought I tended to ask pretty deep questions, but uh, that's that's amazing. So, Let's unpack that a little bit, right? Yeah. How how would you – all right, so you talked about a number of different kind of contexts. Uh, and, Adam, feel free to jump in here too, right, because I think I think digging into this is going to require some more brain power than just what I can, I can bring to bear. Um, so give us an example of, of – you gave us an example of Habitica, right, and, and talking yeah. about building good habits consistently, right? Uh, we t- we talked with t- Terry Sherbandi uh, yesterday, or not, actually not yesterday. I guess we published yesterday. It was like the day before where he was talking about how his remote team is doing. Give us an example where we might be able to to gamify or bring gaming into our uh, our remote work, right? Can you think of an example where we might be able to? So we talked about kind of the the distraction, and I think mm-hmm. that's the easiest thing to do, right? Um, you know, I was thinking the other day, especially after we did the bingo, that we should do an esports league in depth. That would be so much fun to just set up an esports league. We're already at home. We already have our computers. Might as well do something fun with it. But how do we actually use it to bring together our teams? You know, we're, we're having a conversation about, like, how to use Microsoft Teams. How can I bring gamification into that conversation so that I can I can be thinking about how do I use teams so that people don't think that they're they're fighting for no reason, right? You said that game the de- the very definition of game is to do something voluntary that you want to do. So yeah, I want I them to I, I want them to participate, right? Yeah, the worst the worst kind of gamification, you know, isn't really a game at all. It's just it's just telling people you want them to do something and you know, giving them a badge instead of giving them a promotion like that. That's that to me is not gamification in the slightest. I, I really do believe that games games have to be voluntary to to really be a game. Otherwise, you're just putting kind of window dressing on it. Um, I, I want to say when you when you mentioned that about esports, just a slight distraction. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Lowkey uh, L O W K E Y dot G G. Um, it's it's uh, essentially an esports league. For uh, I didn't want to say old people like us, but old people like us. <laughs> um, so you, the young young people don't don't play on it, and it's and it's corporate 
the organization, at least part of the organization, is corporate in nature. So you can, like Microsoft is on there, you can take on Microsoft in, in an esports competition, or you know, you can you can take on a number of other companies that are there. So you should check that out, John, if that's something <laughs> something you're interested in. Um, you know, here's a simple way to think about a, uh, a tech a tool that you could adopt to to build game mechanics into um, a remote team. Um, Todoist. So. Todoist um, is is probably my favorite of the to-do apps that are out there. Um, uh, it has a enterprise um, uh, account that you can get that allows you to connect your to-do lists across the entire company and assign things. Uh, but the way that it lets you know how you're doing, you get like karma points. Uh, and if you're able to clear your list, you get, you know, little pats on the back that essentially like zero inbox, you know, that you, you've cleared that. It's got, it's got some nice, really fairly simple game mechanics built into it in a, in a very natural context because to-do list type apps are, are kind of commonplace, right, in industry. And so for remote workers, that won't be all that surprising, but I think, the difference between it seems like a subtle difference, but between something like that and uh, just having like a Kanban board that you clear, right, or a, a Trello list that you know you check off, there isn't. That's just a it's a it's a difference of nomenclature, but it, it also is a difference in a sense of recognition of achievement, right? So to get to get a little pat on the back that you've Look, you've cleared that. You've done that hurdle. This is this thing we all said we were going to do. You know, good for you. I think, I think that, that kind of instant feedback, <clears throat> you know, I, I think of the many things I've come to realize in my remote working life at the moment is there are certain things that I think work better in a remote. It's not even like I have to approximate what, what the business world is like. I think, I think, Compared to my office, there there are definitely things I'm doing on a day-to-day basis that work out better this way. And one of them is the ability to get instant feedback, you know. And and I think gamification ties into that nicely, that you can acknowledge people's successes, you know, and reward them as they do things, you know, and very much in real time. And and so Todoist is an example of that, that would that would do that. That's cool. Uh, I think that's something we're gonna have to try out. I was, you know, I set up a can, I set up a product board the other day, and I was like, you know, there's just nothing exciting about this. <laughs> so being able to spice yeah. it up a little bit makes a difference, right? Uh, you know, what do you, what do you think, Adam? What, I mean, what are you thinking when when you're hearing Glenn talk about these things? Like, what would be your questions? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think I'm surprised at how little gamification there is. In my day-to-day life, I'm not somebody who spends a bunch of time on my phone or computer after work hours. I, I try my best not to. And within our work context, we don't use gamification a lot, John, right? So to me, I don't want to say it's a, it's, it's obviously not a new concept. It's not like I've never played games or used something that's gamified, but it's something that's probably very much lacking. Uh, one thing that Glenn said that I thought was really interesting, um, was kind of around, um, Maybe how you might target job promotions and track performance um, at work. Um, I love the idea of gamifying that, especially I, I know we're working on a new um, our GPS system here at Dev Technology, which is you know basically how we track um, individuals and performance and set goals and all that good stuff. Um, 
But the idea of being able to make things more quantifiable and say, yes, you did this, no, you didn't, and give points based off of achievements and, oh, to get to this level, this promotion, you must achieve this level of points in this category. To me, it's a very fascinating concept and, and probably worth exploring a little bit more. Um, yeah, the, those are my thoughts, John. Yeah, super interesting. Glenn, when you, when you talk about those kinds of things, so Adam, hearing you kind of work through that, I'm wondering, have you seen organizations, so obviously Dev does a lot of federal work, right? We are, mm-hmm. we are on the front lines helping our federal clients every single day doing really hard things. Um, working with, you know, whether it's the CBP cargo systems or passenger systems or, you know, State Department and the CBP and DHS biometrics data sharing. We have a lot of different programs where we're constantly working. And it's interesting because Adam's right. In many cases, there's not much gamification. Those demographics are shifting, aren't they? As As younger people are coming into the workforce, there's an expectation wrapped around that. You know, Adam, you talked a little bit about the performance metrics as a way that, and I wonder, Glenn, if maybe you can talk about, is it because that that the demographics are shifting and people coming into the workforce expect those things, or is it because we get better performance when we integrate those things? I'm kind of curious what that looks like and what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, both, right? So in terms of better performance, um, there, there's been research study after study that's shown, for example, uh, gamifying training is way more effective than not gamifying training. Training people how to use equipment, training people how to uh, follow certain procedures, um, that build, building it out as a game, you know, increases retention something like 40, 50 percent over people who go through sort of face-to-face training. And so I, I do think the the game experience itself not always, but in certain contexts can be far more effective than traditional ways to sort of operate as a day-to-day business. But I think, I think the bigger opportunity here, and it gets a little bit to Adam's point, um, I'm, I'm not even sure if people call themselves gamers, uh, when in fact they are gamers, right? So, you know, if, if, and I'm not going to put you on the spot here, Adam, but you know, if you've ever, gone to make a plane reservation for a corporate visit and thought for a moment, you know, if I do that on Delta, I'm this far away from Platinum, right? And so I'm going to do that on Delta, then you're playing a game. If you're thinking about, you know, uh, if you're looking at your your the shelves at the grocery store and thinking about your fuel reward points, like um, if you play Words with Friends, which most people don't even think about as a game, um, you know, there was an AARP study that came out, uh, gosh, I want to say it was in December, uh, and for retired people, sort of post 50, 55 age people, 49% of women play games on a weekly basis, right? That, that this isn't just sort of the province of young people. We're doing it all the time. We're just not always thinking about it that way. And, and probably the best example, uh, at least in my life, that that I've seen this play out is I, I recently got a Peloton uh, and it is it is the best gamified experience I've ever I've ever had. It's brilliant the way it uses game based incentives. It's got challenges and badges and you can high five people while you're exercising at the same time with them. 
you get acknowledged, right? All of these things are built into it. And I don't think anyone who's sitting on that bike thinks for a second they're playing a game, right? So I don't, I don't think you need to think about, about your interaction with a screen looking or even feeling like a game. But, but these, the sort of language of games helps people feel more naturally incentivized and connected. You know, another perfect game, uh, I think a gamified experience is Waze. So I don't know if you guys use Waze from time to time, but, um, you know, Waze, uh, you've got an avatar in it. You get, there are levels and points as you start, you know, reporting more road hazards or speed traps or, um, you know, changes in routes and that kind of thing. Um, and there's a sense that you're part of a bigger thing. I mean, no one's actually getting anything out of it, really. I mean, you get to avoid getting a ticket, but, you know, we don't do it because we're getting paid. We don't do it because, you know, we're going to get uh, a, an, an extrinsic reward we participate in ways because we are part of a community that's trying to help each other out while they're on the road, you know, and that that is what game mechanics at the end of the day are trying to achieve. You know, whether you participate in World of Warcraft or you're in Ways or you're in Peloton or you're a Delta Sky Club member, you're part of a community and you're trying to achieve a goal. And that goal is really meaningful for you, not in a reward sense even, but in a very personal sense. I know John's heard me talk uh, on occasion about Daniel Pink's Mastery, Autonomy, and Purpose, and uh, I, I think it is at the heart of this, right? You know, if you want your employees to be engaged and invested in what they do, they need to have a sense that they're doing it so that they can be great at it. So they're doing it in a way where they're not being told what to do, but actually have some control and agency, and they're doing it for a good reason. And games are, are like the perfect construct for those three drivers because that's they're almost built into the way that games work. And so I, I think there is a broader philosophical value here in using game experiences in a remote work setting because it taps into all the things you really want people to do. It's really interesting to hear you say that, Glenn. You know, I'm thinking about all the different games that are actually probably involved in my life, right? Um, I have two young kids, and every night we play a game of who can clean up the toys the fastest and then who can get undressed and in the bathtub the quickest, right? It's always a race, right? You know, in my wallet, I carry around um, a punch card for a local coffee shop. Um, yes, they are the best coffee shop in my neighborhood, but you know what I really enjoy? Filling up that punch card, right? Um, but you, you talking about um, uh, Pink's book, uh, Drive, uh, brought back some thoughts I had. I, I gave a presentation a number of years ago about that book and how it tied into DevOps, right? You know, very big here in our software development world. Um, and, and not the cultural aspect of DevOps, but really the, the CI, the continuous integration, continuous test, continuous delivery pipeline. And how actually that, and now that I'm thinking about it, it, it is gamification for a software developer, right? All those feedback loops, right? First, does my code integrate? Cool. I, you know, I didn't fail the, the integration gate. Um, automated tests. Cool. I, you know, my, my code passed these tests and boom. Deployed to production, you know, that's stuff that, in my mind, really helps drive um, productivity for your developers, right? Because they're feeling like, hey, my code's good quality and it gets to production quicker thanks to this, you know, all this automation 
Um, and I never really thought of it in this gamified context. Um, but, but, you know, hearing you talk about it and hearing, um, your thoughts on gamification really kind of opened my eyes to the fact that, yeah, these games are all around us, um, in, in so many different ways. Yeah. And I, I, I think once you recognize it, then the next challenge is how do you harness that? All right. So, uh, and, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, the low, I don't even want to say low hanging fruit. It's the bad rotten fruit that you don't want to grab is just to get badges and points for things that, that, you know, there's, there still needs to be this process of, all right, what is the outcome we're trying to get to? Why would people want to do it? What motivates them to do that? How can we give them the feedback and the tools, as you're saying, to be successful in these processes that we've built up? So, um, I, I, I think, I think that then becomes the hard part, right? Figuring out how do you build it out? And some of these tools that are out there can do this for you. So, um, you know, th- there are platforms that that can help sort of send rewards if you want to. But, you know, given the talent that you guys have there, I feel quite sure that you could you could kind of build your own platform if you needed to. Um, but I, I, I think that were, were I just to be in your shoes, I think that's then the next step. Right. So I have recognized these game motivators are built into our workflow. How can I kind of pull them out a little bit and highlight them and leverage them and let people know in case they don't see them that they're there and and find a way to make that more effective for us. That is super interesting. I, you know, I think that's something that applies, Adam, not only to the work we do internally, right, but also in the work that we're doing and that everybody's doing, right, because what we're seeing is that there are more intent and more purposeful interactions with some of the government platforms they use to try and and integrate things to make people want to participate, right? So you look at like what we're doing with the Omni Channel program a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of interest to try and make people want to participate in that interaction. So I, you know th- those things have a real impact. Uh, that's what I'm hearing you say, Glenn. So we we need to you know we need to think about I guess what you're saying, Glenn, is is we need to think about how do we extract out kind of the fundamentals in some ways there's a lot of corollary there to like human centered design thinking about how do people interact? What's the level of empathy? How do we kind of go broadly and then narrow back in in order to understand what a problem actually looks like and how do we address it? Uh, those are, so, so what, you know, I think this is really interesting. What would you recommend if somebody wants to go deeper on this topic? If they're like listening to this conversation and like, wow, this is, this is, this has really gotten me to think differently about uh, federal programs and gamification or something I'm doing in the federal space and gamification or even just, you know, I've got an idea for an application and I want to gamify it. What's a great way besides going to Miami and enrolling in the program? What's a great way to, what's a great way to, to like start reading or something like that? Yeah. Um, good question, John. Uh, you know, there, there are three or four major books out there on gamification that are, are, are worth a read. I think I have, I have, uh, an opinion about business books in general that they can all probably be reduced to about 10 pages and, uh, <laughs> make their point just as well. So, you know, I don't know if you necessarily need to read them cover to cover, uh, but <clears throat> there, there is for sure a, a body of thought, uh, you know, and a sort of categorization 
methodologies that go from fairly simple ones. Like I would, I would actually put pinks at the very simple end of the spectrum and not that his thinking is simple, but it's, it's fairly easy to get your head around to, um, uh, there's, uh, Yukai Chow's got his octalysis, uh, framework that he uses, which is insanely complicated. Um, and it's probably the other end of that spectrum. Um, so I, I think there's definitely a lot you could you could make yourself acquainted with. Um, you know, at the risk of self-promotion, I would say bringing in someone who knows something about gamification is probably a good idea. Just to, you know, if you don't have anyone in-house who has spent some time on this, there's just lots of typical mistakes people make at the beginning, like I said, of just putting badges and points or not talking to people to actually understand in a human-centered way what does motivate them, uh, what they do care about. Right, so there there's some good best practices that I think there are some smart folks out there that um, that could be really helpful with this kind of thing, um, and and I think um, if if you really wanted to sort of dive deeper, I would play around a bit with some of these gamified platforms. So you know, I mentioned Todoist, right? It's it's free um, at least before you do the enterprise version, but but you know, download it and play with it. Or Habitica, you know, it's it's a ton of fun to just give some thought to it. Um, <coughs> I put it almost in the same category as like uh, bots. I know I know the metaphor may not be totally um, spot on here, but bear with me. Like, I think if you want to understand what bots can do, you should download one of these personal chat bot apps. You know that asks you all about how your day's going. You know, and they give and and just to experiment and engage with the bot because if you do that a little while, you're like, oh, I see what works here and what doesn't work, and so. I think there's some value in doing the same thing with game gamified platforms. Um, uh, and I don't mean to keep pitching Habitica. You know, there, there was an app. It's I think it's been deprecated now, which bums me out. But it was called Chore Monster um, that was creating. It was actually, Adam, to your, to your point, it was it was doing points and rewards for your kids for doing chores. And there were all these cool monsters they would get and they would collect them and um it, it it also gives you that personal insight as to kind of what you feel connected and works in gamified contexts. That's interesting. Um, okay, so I think we've got some really good starting points there and some interesting thoughts on it. Uh, you know, um, there's sorry, there's just a lot to kind of digest and think about. You've put a lot on the table there. And then I guess one way to end it is, you know, Given how crazy everything is right now, Glenn, it's okay to play games, isn't it? It's I, I think that's that's worth re- reiterating on, right? It's it's okay to play games right now. It's okay to take those opportunities to get distracted and to just invest in some time away from the keyboard, right? Figuratively, not literally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't point out. Uh, I don't know if you followed the World Health Organization recently said something about how people should spend a little time playing video games uh, during this crisis as a, as a way to relax and, and, you know, not stress out so much about all these things that are bringing stress in our lives today, which was really funny because a year ago, the World Health Organization came out with a report saying, you know, game addiction was super dangerous and everyone should worry about this. So, you know, I think people's minds are changing. I, I, we, we, we've gone past a point where something just because it's a game, it's, it's considered frivolous. Um, I can think of, you know, there's a whole media theory school of thought where they, they take a look at radio and then television and film 
And when these when these new media come out, the first thing everybody thinks is, you know, they're they're the downfall of society. They're a waste of time. They're <clears throat> these things are going to, you know, melt the brains of the youth today and that kind of thing. And then at some point people realize, oh, wait a minute, this is just this is another way that we communicate and engage with each other and express brilliant ideas. And, you know, whether it, it's a book or it's a game it still has that potential and power. And I think we've crossed that point now with games where there isn't the stigma that, you know, if you're playing Minesweeper in the office, um, you know, you're somehow not doing your job. You know, there's a, there's, there's a place for that. There's a place to just, like I said, have a palate cleanser for your brain. You know, we all know that productivity doesn't always work as an increasing sloped line that, you know, at some point, You've got to reset. At some point, you've got to take a break. At some point, you might even need to think about it from a different perspective, and games allow you to do that, to think more strategically or to think in terms of puzzles or to think in terms of teams. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think, John, there's there's a place in our lives for people to engage in pure gameplay to just figure out how they're going to make their day-to-day life, not a series of video conferences and check-ins on on Slack or Microsoft Teams or Trello. That's awesome. Uh, any last thoughts, Adam? No, I, I really look forward to uh, probably getting together with you, John, and kind of chatting a little bit more about where we're using games currently at Dev, because I, I know we are in some areas, but more importantly, looking at how we can apply some of these gamification techniques to maybe increase engagement on any number of things. You know, we, we've talked about this a lot, right, where um, – we're not always getting the engagement level we need on or desire, I should say, uh, in certain areas, right? Uh, so how can we gamify that? How can we entice people to participate by making it maybe a little bit more fun and providing rewards? So, uh, yeah, I, I look forward to the follow-up uh, from this podcast, uh, probably more so than any podcast we've done so far. I think I think this has really given us a lot to um, go back and really chat about and hopefully implement, right? Yeah, not just for us. I really hope everybody listening takes an opportunity to kind of to take this back and and to and to think about it and to work it in. I think, Glenn. That, that I mean, my guess is that you see that a lot from folks that interact with with the folks out of the program and yourself. That, that it really kind of says, "Oh yeah, now I need to think about X, Y, and Z." So so maybe we'll have to have you back on in the fall and we can do a check in and see how we're doing. Yeah, yeah, I would be happy to do that. I appreciate the chance to talk about this. Thanks, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great day. And uh, Adam, thanks for, for hopping on with us, and we'll see everybody on the next DevCast. Thanks, John. Thanks, Glenn. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.